and welcome to Unnecessary Angst, the podcast. (laughs) Yay! Really keeping me on my toes every week. I know, just just making sure you're you're alive. Making sure I'm awake, that I'm paying attention, I know what's going on. It's a human, like, in-person version of CAPTCHA, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Please highlight the crosswalks. <laughs> but instead, just please say angst. <laughs> I mean, that seems correct for 2020 and 2021. No. So, <laughs> so, bye. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, I'm excited to be recording again. Julia, how are you doing this week? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm excited to be recording, too. <laughs> I'm doing well. I have a couple more weeks left in my semester, so I am stressed AF. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's how it is. I have my first ever quiz in a class, like in my graduate school class. Mm-hmm. I've only ever had reports, project presentations, and like d- design deliverables. I've never had to actually do a final quiz. I'm like a little bit scared. It's been a year since I've done a quiz, so. Yeah, tests seem we'll see fake. how that goes. Those shouldn't yeah. exist anymore. It's kind of like, it just also just feels wrong in my program, but whatever. It's fine. I'm <laughs> stressed about that. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, too, about how they were asking me, like, how I'm doing, and they were, like, trying to get me to, like, be pretty deep with my answer. Mm-hmm. Have I talked about this yet? Yes, but, you have. Um, on the podcast, okay. actually. <laughs> It got brought up again, though, because they were like, okay, well, like, like, how was the past week? Like, did you do anything other than schoolwork? I was like, no. (laughs) I literally have it. I get up, I eat breakfast, I go to my computer, and I do schoolwork. It hasn't changed. It's not going to change for another three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm drinking, though, I am drinking a Cuba Libre to numb the pain. Okay. All right. (laughs) I know. Lots of rum in here. Nice and dark. <laughs> yeah. Also to like numb the chapter. But. Oh, seriously. I know I probably should have grabbed something stronger, but I don't have anything stronger mm-hmm. in the house because there's still a child here. Um, so can't be out here getting drunk while I have to parent. You know? How are you doing <laughs> besides the parenting? <laughs> oh. You know, work's been really stressful. Parenting's been really stressful. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at my face. <laughs> uh, when it's, I start choking. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, you know, I feel like I'm choking sometimes too, I guess. <laughs> no, it's, it's been, it's been good. We've been having a lot of fun and like, really proud of her today we found out um she retook one of her science tests that she got a b minus on and she retook the multiple choice part because that's the part that she messed up on and her grade went up and so now she has an a minus in science which means she officially has all straight a's which is the whole reason she came down here um so now we just have to maintain that through the end of the semester but we're making really good progress and we're learning a lot and doing a lot of stuff we started reading together every night um oh, or almost every so night cute. so she'll read a book on 
my Kindle and I'll like have it open on my laptop or have the print version, whatever. Right now I'm opening it, have it open on my laptop. We're reading The Princess Diaries, uh, the first book. (laughs) And then she has to highlight words in the Kindle version that she doesn't understand when I'm reading. And then we go back at the end of each chapter and kind of like recap what the words mean and like talk through how they fit into the sentence in context and stuff so her vocabulary can grow a little bit so that's so fun yeah bonding and it's, it's great and, and educational and edu- well and the fun part is the princess diaries the first book mia's in algebra and uh she'll be taking algebra next year because she's in pre-algebra this year so we're just prepping oh. her for math for next year too <laughs> That's fun. Though Mia's failing algebra, so I don't know that we want to use her. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good role model. Not a good role model. But, yeah, it's just been, it's been really busy. Um, No, I was talking to my mom about it, and I was just like, things are a little stressed and hectic and all, you know, kind of all over the place. She's like, well, so cut some things out of your life. You don't need to do that podcast. And I'm like, you're not taking my bright spot away from me, mother. <laughs> no, I don't care what you say. This is fine. What's I'm the, not getting What's the class that you're taking? Oh, yeah. So I'm taking an alumni class with Penn, um, which is where I went to college. Uh, it's about power and force in the Iliad. So I have to read the Iliad. <sighs> I'm already behind, I'm already a week behind, um, so doing great. It's I cannot believe that I'm behind on literally everything in my life right now, except where I'm at with the Cruel Prince. That's the only place I'm caught up. On. <laughs> Did the book just fall? Uh, no, that was a pearl necklace. Oh, I was gonna say maybe that's illustrative of where you're at in life right now. <laughs> uh, it is. I mean, the necklace falling is illustrative oh, of where true. I'm at in life. So. Yep, doing doing great. Um, and I'm drinking a, a cider, per my usual. Um, it is a cocoa. You're drinking more ciders than me lately. I'm a little concerned. Well, I just ordered a bunch of like funky ones. So this one is cocoa caramel apple cider, from Stem Ciders. Don't ask me where that is. Um, but yeah. It's it's good. Oh, it's from Colorado. Uh, it's good. I mean, it definitely tastes kind of like a caramel apple. Little bit of chocolate in there. Good. <laughs> Notes of chocolate. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Notes of apple? <laughs> Notes of alcohol? <laughs> Notes of alcohol. Yeah, definitely. What What's the alcohol by volume? 5.8%. Oh, that's low. You're not getting drunk tonight. I'm getting drunk tonight. You're not. Again, I have a child. I'm not getting drunk any night. Ever. Well, you would, you would became a parent really fast. Uh, I did. I did. Well, but she's going home for part of spring break. So maybe I'll go wild <laughs> when we record. The child leaves and you go crazy. <laughs> you sound like a parent. And even then, my wild is maybe having two ciders while I record a podcast in my house. Uh, well, I'm living with my parents, so it's not like I'm going crazy either. <laughs> I mean, listen, everyone has always said that I'm, like, the bo- the mind of a 60-year-old and the body of 
whatever age I am at the time. They've been saying that since I was 12, <laughs> so I'm just a grandma spirit. You're living up to it. Yeah, you know, got, I'm staying true to myself. <laughs> Good. Um, so speaking of staying true to ourselves, we should check well, in with Jude. Well, not as smooth as you've been doing. I know. <laughs> well, it's a good transition anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> They're not going to be great every week. I'm tired. You know how it goes. (laughs) But so this week we're talking about chapter 20 of The Cruel Prince. And oh my goodness, what a chapter. Yeah, this is. It officially marks the end of book one. And we are in for a wild ride. (laughs) I also apologize, Julia, if my descriptions are all over the place. Um... I did the best I could, so good luck with the synopsis. (laughs) Thank you. I've been looking forward to this chapter for a long time. I feel like I kept flipping back to it whenever we were talking about stuff, because I was like, when is it happening? When is it happening? When is it happening? And you're also just sitting there like, okay, how do I divert her away from her theories that are correct? I want her to not be guessing. I want to mislead you so badly, (laughs) because I'm cruel. (laughs) It's just funny, like, how strong-willed I was in my convictions. This was very Slytherin and Ravenclaw of us. Like, like, really trying to mislead you, and you were like, no, I'm sure it's going to happen. It's the only logical conclusion. (laughs) That was so good. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, let's let's get into all the nitty-gritty. Let's do it. Chapter 20. So they're all getting ready to leave for the coronation, and Jude describes how amazing they all look. <laughs> they eat some snacks in the carriage, and Jude comments that Maddox has his cap, which she supposes is his version of a war medal. Oh, sweetie, you're so wrong. I know. <laughs> Jude is panicking about having to dance, is also worried that Maddox doesn't know about the loss of his spy. I haven't reread these since I wrote them, and I write them as I go, and oh my god. <laughs> There's a lot more going on. I know, I'm sorry. Uh, the, uh. They clean themselves up and sooner getting out into the palace with everyone having fun and making conversation around her, and Oriana puts a leash on Oak to keep him close, which, like, this entire description was so funny to me, and the fact that it also gets brought up later in the chapter, anyway... Um, which she throws a fit about. I do not blame Oak for th- throwing a fit about a leash. Same. Vivi is in a mood about something, and Maddox says he has to stand by Prince Dane, and they should all enjoy themselves and come in to stand by Maddox Knights for the coronation so they're safe. The girls all blend into the party, noting how crowded it is with everyone mingling. Sulky is from the Undersea, the Lord of the Court of the Termites, and a plenty of other characters Jude hears of in ballads, which I loved that description so much. <laughs> Severin has a ginger human boy about Jude's age who grins at her. Severin's the guy from the ballad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a ballad boy. <laughs> she turns... Well, not a boy, but... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she turns and sees Sophie standing with the Selkies, and apparently the burfolk keep drowned sailors. When she looks back, she doesn't see her anymore and doesn't know if she imagined her. They keep moving past the revelers, and the roach winks at her from under a mask, telling her to keep her eyes peeled. Seeing him makes Jude smile, because even though the spies aren't exactly her friends, they make her feel like she belongs. 
Mm. That was such a, like, sad lie. <laughs> I know. Like, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about it. Vivi pulls her into da- in to dance, and Jude notes that dancing with Vivi almost makes it safe, because as long as Vivi remembers to pull them out, it is okay for them to dance and to get lost in the moment. After a moment, she's in Locke's arms. Uh-huh. <laughs> that transition. <laughs> and they're dancing, and he starts asking some really weird questions and making Jude uneasy. Mm. Mm. Mainly, he's asking if she could love him, if she would break a promise for him. And while she tries to be diplomatic, when she asks if she would weep if he hurt her, she said she wouldn't cry and she would hurt him back. Ugh. Love this that. also has one of my absolute favorite lines in it, which okay. is, do you love me enough to give me up? Isn't that a test of love? Mm. Anyway, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. She starts getting really nervous, and then Cardin decides to step in and say, says she needs to switch partners with a supposed unfriendly tone. Yeah, I just don't trust anything Jude says ever anymore as it relates <laughs> to Cardin, so... Everything's supposed. We're not sure if it's unfriendly or if mm. that's just... Maybe Karn just sounds mean. Maybe it's like a bitch face but bitch tone. I think it's... If it is bitch tone, it's bitch tone to Locke. It's not bitch tone to Jude. To her, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she asks what he wants. Um, because she's still thinking about Locke and tells him to insult her, to which he responds he doesn't take commands from mortals. She smiles and says she really hates him, and she responds with almost as much as you hate me. Well, he looks at her with the same look from the hedge maze. He lets go of her hand and just says, until we spar again, and walks away. That was a whole lot of nothing. That was like, is he British? This was such a British answer. Oh my gosh, it really is. This is such a a British flirt. It's a British Mm -hmm. flirt, yep. The ceremony starts, and she starts to join her family, with Taryn standing next to Locke. She brushes a strand of hair behind his ear, and Jude starts to wonder if Locke is Taryn's lover. (gasps) Jude can't be near Taryn until she gets that thought out of her head, so she hangs back. The king is up on the date. I can never say this word. Dais. Dais. Oh, okay. I do say it right. Good job. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. I feel like I need like a British accent for certain words. Like, Dais. 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 <laughs> With the rest of the kids and only Cardin missing, including Dane's mother. The king announces he's leaving, which everyone knew, and people start wailing, which everyone knew, <laughs> like idiots. The court poet notes he will be missed, and the king asks to be released, which the whole court says, we release you. Val Morin asks who the replacement is, and Eldred says Dane, and Dane approaches butt-ass naked. I mean, yeah, that's what it is. He says he will accept the crown, and then they begin the procession of courts to make their oaths of allegiance. The Unseelie Court, the Seelie Court, and the Wild Fae all come forward and paint his body. Weird. Mm-hmm. Jude then sees Cardin in the crowd, and apparently he's gotten extremely wasted and smiles to herself with satisf- satisfaction, thinking about how much trouble he'll be in. Oh no, thank God he's not there! <laughs> you were getting there. <laughs> Dane's sisters and mother come forward and clothe him, and Jude just thinks about what this coronation means for her. Eldred says he will crown him and has Dane kneel. 
Jude sees the guards, start, guards starting to move a little, and Maddox Knights say something to Oriana, and the whole family starts moving outside of a side door. So Jude, not wanting to be like Carden, starts moving towards them. Good to note, when we say the guards start moving, it means the guards are changing. The guards are changing from the king's guards to Maddox's own guards that he has trained. So they are loyal to Maddox, basically. Fishy! Mm-hmm. The crowd says they will accept Dane as king, and Jude starts to realize something is wrong. Maddox's best commanders, who are loyal to him and not in their uniforms, and the Greenbrier livery and her whole family are... Were, I don't know, I this sentence read. is not a sentence. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> They're escorted out. The family's escorted out by, by Maddox's commanders. Mm-hmm. But also, Maddox- the people, the guards on the stage are dressed... They're the best guards. They're Maddox best in guards, gra- but they're dressed Greenbrier. in the Greenbrier livery, so they look like palace guards. Do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> she remembers that Maddox said he had a plan to ensure the future, and Jude realizes she needs to find the spies. <laughs> I only had, like, three sips of my thing so far, but I'm already a mess. <laughs> she sees Balakin get up and draw a blade, and he says he will not accept aid and will challenge him. The guards are clearly backing Billiken up, and none of the royal family is armed. Da, da, da. Eldred tries to reason with him, but Billiken ignores him, and Dane refuses to listen. Billiken then slices Elowen's throat. Dane tries to control the guards, but they turn their backs on him, and Jude is refusing to believe this is Maddox's plan, but Jude, you know the truth. <laughs> Come on. She does. She knows it. The ghost shoots Billiken with arrows from the rafters, but he's wearing armor. And Jude's trying to find a way to get Dane help. Maddox, to get to Dane and help. Maddox gets to Dane first, and Jude, for a moment, is relieved, idiot, until Maddox stabs him through the heart. Ah! Idiot. <laughs> idiot. Jude feels shock and then starts thinking through exactly how Maddox would have orchestrated this, knowing with his strategic mind that he was the only one that could have planned it, and now all of her dreams are gone. You idiot. She also sees him wearing his red cap, knowing it will have new marks on it tonight. Balakin is trying to force Eldred to crown him, saying that Eldred has become weak and let the courts go unchecked, and that Dane would have been the same because he's a coward. But Balakin isn't afraid of bloodshed. He says if Eldred doesn't do it, he will kill Tainit, Dane's mom, and Eldred's consort. Eldred won't do it, saying Balakin is unworthy, and so Tainit is killed. Here we go. Eldred just lost a Balakin, so Balakin kills him too. Um, those body turns into red moths that fly away. How poetic. Mm-hmm. He then goes to his sisters, asking who will crown him. Kelia says she will do it, but says the stain of what he has done will taint his rule. A part of Jude is happy this will be over, but then she gets a crossbow bolt to the chest. Courtesy of the ghost. That's it. That's the end of the book. <laughs> Courtesy of the ghost. Hmm. And Maddox's men start swarming the raptors to try and find the shooter. Rhea looks like she is going to try and fight Balakin, and Jude knows that she is <laughs> Jude knows that she is Vivi's only friend in fairy. Instead of fighting, she slashes her own throat. Ah. Balakin starts looking for Cardin, and Jude just closes her eyes. Eventually, the ghost drops down, and Jude wants to help him but cannot get to him. Balakin tells the court poet to crown him, and says he says he cannot, but Balakin threatens him, so he does. He tells the clouds, 
clout. <laughs> he tells the crowd <laughs> to pledge themselves to him, which no one does. He tries to put the crown on his head, but it burns him. Lord Roy Vid at the Court of Termites says they swear to the crown of the king. And that he has three days to get the crown on his head, and if he doesn't, he will leave unimpressed and unchecked in power. Ugh. Everyone starts laughing because he won't be the only one, and if they are unchecked by the monarchy, they will just grow more wild. Jude realizes the revel will go on, but she is not sure if she can. And that's the end of chapter 20 and the end of book one. Oh my god. Oh my so, god. So, how are you feeling? I uh, I just I have so many thoughts. I have a stupid thought first, which is what I'm going to start with, so it gets mm-hmm. out of my head and I can move on because I had this as we were reading it. Um, but <laughs> the whole way that Jude is like, oh, um, Maddox would like never do this thing. Like <laughs> he probably has some totally different kind of plan to keep everyone happy and safe. And then he does the complete opposite of it is like every episode of The Bachelor where you get the girls and they're in the moment and they're like, Matt and I have such a special relationship and I'm so excited to get to next week with him. And then immediately after that, she gets eliminated. Like it just reminds me. This is The Bachelor, but for kings. Yeah. <laughs> Matic. <laughs> it's the Game of Thrones. <laughs> I need to stop making pop culture references. We're not there yet. Um, (laughs) I, uh, I don't know. I just look so, even at the beginning of the chapter, I wrote, oh, Jude, I can just tell based on your speculating that something unexpected is coming and that it is the complete opposite of whatever you are postulating. And this is the girl (laughs) who lost her parents to this man that she's like, I trust him. It'll be fine. Like... Uh Uh-huh. How'd that work out? Well, what's wild to me is, like, she she trusted in Maddox. I think the thing that she was trusting was Maddox's honor. And I guess this allegiance to Dane, but, like, she never actually had a lot of evidence of his allegiance to Dane. Like, every time we've talked to him, other than that one time Mm -hmm. at the very beginning when Jude was like, Mm -hmm. he's standing with Dane at a thing, and he's a knight, so he's with the knights. Other than that, he's only ever talked to Balakin. So I just don't, I don't understand why she thinks he has this amazing allegiance to Dane and she also never asked him about anything like he said multiple times very cryptic comments that made it seem like he was planning something and she was just like okay daddy great (laughs) (laughs) like she could have figured all of this out if she would have tried a little bit harder but it's neither well she was too caught up in her own adventure her drama yeah why you gotta reach out to people you gotta be empathetic get to know the people around you that what's that's what makes a good spy and like okay pop culture but Inej does that very well she's a really good spy because she notices what's going on around her Jude has no idea what's going on right right it's like you don't necessarily need to be an empath but you need to understand the emotions and motivations of the people around you yeah, exactly. be exactly. able to figure out how to manipulate it. And, like, that's what a spy needs to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And she's not a good spy. Nope. 
<laughs> she doesn't know anything about any of her family members. Like, not one. Now she knows stuff about Oriana because Oriana told her. And she was just like, what? Every single one of, we know every single one of her family members has a secret that she has no, no idea about. Like, we get that, like, Vivi has something going on. She doesn't even talk to Vivi about it. She's like, no. whatever, like. <laughs> oh, my we God. Know, we get the hint that something's happening with Locke and her sister, Taryn. But what? It's not even a hit. It's like blunt hammer being hit over her head. Because right before that, he's like, "Mm, can you give me up? Can, are we done? Will you cry if I hurt you? But will you still love me? (laughs) Like, fuck boy thing Will you still do stuff for me even if I'm fucking your sister? (laughs) Let me read that line again. I literally have it in my notes because it gets me every time. Here it is. Do you love me enough to give me up? Isn't that a test of love? Like, no, <laughs> it's not. That's when you break up with him, right there, right there. That's a red flag. That's like, it is being pushed in your face. It it is. That's true. Um, what other fun lines did he have in here? Would you forswear a promise for me? And she's like, what promise? any promise like no yeah um n- no she barely knows him do you love me enough to weep over me the words are spoken against my neck like what a creep <laughs> i don't like it i don't like any of it i'm glad she's like i would hurt you back and he's like i'm sure you wouldn't and she's Thank God Carter interjecting, because she probably would have punched him in the middle of the floor. But again, oh she's not God. seeing the bigger picture. Like, she's not getting why he might be asking these questions, and she's not connecting that to Taryn's secret. And, oh, dude. Okay. Um, on happier notes, I really love the child leash. <laughs> I love that that's a thing in the fairy world, too. <laughs> I love, I I don't love child leashes, but I just love that it's just so like, it feels so raw. <laughs> and she was like, I'm going to add it anyway. <laughs> and it then just Vivi brings so it mortal. up again. <laughs> I know, but it just feels so mortal. Like, it feels like, okay, we're no longer in the fairy world. We're in a really pretty setting with normal parents at Disneyland. And they just have their kids on leashes so they don't get kidnapped or run away. And yeah, it just made me think of Disneyland. I miss Disneyland. Um, I, this comment has nothing to do with the book at all. I just want to read more about Selkies. I think they're a really interesting part of Scottish mythology. (laughs) That's, that's the comment. I have some like Selkie books on my TBR and I'm like very excited to eventually circle my way back around to them. You may not tell me this, but was Jude hallucinating, or was that actually Sophie? Uh, I don't know if it ever gets brought up again, actually. Oh, because I think, like, if it is Sophie and she retains memories, that could spell lots of trouble for Jude, especially if she's glamoured. If it does get brought up again, I don't think it's a big plot point at all. Mm. Well, maybe yeah. also because, you know, Jude and Acacia are, like, besties now. Maybe an occasional will protect her. Uh, I don't think they're besties quite yet. Nikasia still has a big, big plot arc later on. Sarcasm. Not good. I promise that was sarcasm. <laughs> okay, great. 
<laughs> as much as I want the Nikasia Jude friendship, because I think it would be very good mm-hmm. to not have some more toxic girl friendships, friendships, um, enemies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah, luck. I knew he was trouble. I knew it. I called this also many, many chapters ago that Locke was sus. <laughs> yeah. And that he was bad news. <laughs> I just, I feel correct because he still is acting very sus. He is something else. He is something else. I'm glad Jude, I, like I was saying, like, I'm really glad she doesn't kowtow to his questions, though. Like, I know she's trying to be p- polite and, like, keep the peace a little bit, but she's not bending to his will or being like, yeah, whatever you say. She's like, wait, what? No. (laughs) And uh, if nothing else, I appreciate her forever bluntness and sticking to her guns, even if she's wrong 90% of the time. Uh, I also just don't, and this is because she still doesn't understand that Cardin doesn't hate her, like the rest of us understand, at least somewhat. Um, how does she not realize that he's saving her in that moment with the dance? (laughs) Like, I get she doesn't want to dance with him, but Locke was starting to get really aggressively weird. And so him stepping in, like, gives her a breath of fresh air, like a a break from Locke's craziness. Um, because she's an idiot? Yeah, well, that's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. She, I think she does mention something. She's like, oh, like, I'm weirdly thankful, but, like, also not. Like, she's getting there. But, like, not really. <laughs> In a very backwards way. Slowly but surely. It takes it, so many baby yeah. steps. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it, it's such a weird a whole little, like, interaction with the two of them. I mean, yes, but at the same time, what I'm really happy about is that Cardin kind of recognizes that she's still being very hostile towards him um, and doesn't try and, like, change her mind about it and doesn't also try to, like, keep pushing her. He just keeps giving, like, as we said, these very British vague kind of answers where, like, he's hinting at something, but he's not pushing her. He just giggles about it and goes, yeah. (laughs) He's just like, huh. You don't like me, do you? Okay, till next time. Bye. <laughs> but he doesn't try to convince her. Like that's what one of the most annoying traits in guys is when like you clearly don't like someone, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Well, I'm gonna tell you all the reasons why you should like me," and it's like, "No, right. it's just gonna make me dislike you more." And right. he's like, "Okay, well, I can see that you're not gonna be into me, so <laughs> whatever." I'll just Bye. keep <laughs> smiling randomly at yeah. you and try again later. <laughs> It just, it, it makes me chuckle. The fact that he's, like, smiling about how angry she is. I know. I just hope it's not, like, a weird thing where he's, like, he's, like, into it. You know? Like, he's into her being mean to him. I don't want that to be the situation. Don't make that face. No. <laughs> no. That's not the kind of enemies to lovers trope I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh, it's gonna be a ride yeah 
All right. Okay. Anyway. Great. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next thing. The um, when when Eldred is like, please release me, and they're like, we release you. It feels like Catholic Church to me when they're like. <laughs> When the, when the priest is like, peace be with you. And we're like, and peace be with you. With you. <laughs> That's so twisted because it's so wrong in this scenario. I know, but it's, it's what it felt like oh in God. the moment. Again, I write my comments as they come into my brain when I'm reading. This was before any murders happened. That was so good. And murders happen in churches all the time. <laughs> it's true. So, it's a violent place. That's what the Crusades were, you know? It's not the times. Just saying. <laughs> the Crusades, again, very last. <laughs> It kind of is. If Maddox leading yeah. the charge, yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> I, I do. This is gonna sound bad again, knowing everything that we knew, nor know now. But I write these before bad things happen, so I just said, I love Jude's little petty moment where she wonders if Dane is cold, and then thinks of her hand, and she's like, Yeah, I hope you are cold. <laughs> She is the queen of petty sometimes. Oh, she is. Like, I, and she's she's very loyal. Like, I get that she doesn't want to betray him, but she just wants these, like, little inconveniences for him. And I just, it made me smile when I was reading it. Um, why, why do we think Cardin is getting drunk? Or is he actually drunk? Is he just faking it? Uh, well, my theory, I think we can talk about this. My theory up until this point, I remember, was that the reason he was getting drunk was that, um, I mean, his entire family is a mess, right? Right. And I feel like he knew Balakin was plotting something. Because mm-hmm. he lives with Balakin. Like, mm-hmm. all of his time he spends with Balakin is with Balakin. And they are very clearly not friendly. <laughs> no. Um... So it's just him numbing his pain. Mm. That's fair. I like that better, I think. Than what? <laughs> well, I was like, oh, did he feel like he got rejected from Jude and he's numbing his pain? Because uh, no. <laughs> that's pathetic. Um, also, why is, in general, why is Jude being so mean about it? Like, she's so hyper fixated on Cardin. I wish she would realize why <laughs> she's yeah. excited all the I know. <sighs> I mean, you can be hyper fixated on someone for other reasons, but yeah. In this and, case, but at this point, know. like, yeah. he's not even doing anything. He's just, like, existing in his own plane of reference. And she's just like, where is he? Where is he? <gasps> he looks like he's been drinking. Oh, he's going to get in trouble. It's like she's too vindictive about it for it to be normal. But, yeah. Uh, and then I just wrote, holy shit, I have been right for weeks. Maddox is staging a coup, and I am right. And yes, I feel so vindicated and weirdly proud of myself for guessing it so early because I normally am not right in guessing plot devices, but it worked this time. <laughs> it did. I was trying so hard. <laughs> 
It didn't work. Listen, Holly Black was really good, I think, about not making it super obvious, but leaving the breadcrumbs. When I read it, I didn't, I was, I think, too distracted by, like, Carden and everything. I was not, and, like, Locke. Locke was a big distraction also. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not prepared for that at all. Like, I feel like I also got the feeling, like, okay, maybe Maddox is going to do something. Like, he is a big character. Like, it's clear, like, she keeps talking about his strategy, et cetera, et cetera. Like, he's going to come into play at some point. Yeah. But I did not think it was going to be, like, this I mean, that's fair. I, I don't think it was super obvious. I think it's because we had time, again, to sort of, like, sit with a little bit here and there. Like, I think mm-hmm. I overanalyzed certain lines. <laughs> I binge read this. Right. Well, it's funny. I was talking to um, my friend Paulina earlier today, <laughs> and we were talking about sort of just the book and, like, why I think she should read it. And then I was saying, you know, I don't know that I would like it as much as I do if I wasn't taking this time to like sort of really dive into the story and like really think about what the characters are doing and like what their motivations are because even though I cannot relate to Jude and she irritates me again 90% of the time I really enjoy her as a character and I don't think I would have enjoyed her as a character as much if I was like binge reading it because I would have just been annoyed by her um so Going slow helps with a lot of things I'm starting to learn. Will that change my binge reading habits? No. <laughs> not one bit. It's I will not still... justifiable enough. <laughs> no, I will still finish books in a day. Like, I can't stop myself. Same. But... This I finished in, like, probably a couple days. Did not. I did not have enough time to digest what, what happened. I mean, it is good, though. Like, it. it's... Such a compelling story. I can't wait to read the other two. Um, and finish this one, obviously, but also read the other two. Uh, Jude's hero complex is showing <laughs> in this chapter. Like, she literally says it. She literally says, I will be the hero. The one who put herself between the traitors and her king. Like, girl, chill. You're just going to get yourself killed if you do that. Stop. This is not the time to have a hero complex. Because yeah. I'm honestly one. I mean, it would be interesting and a compelling end to the story if she was like, I'm going to put myself in front of the king. Matic won't hurt me. <laughs> and she's not that selfless. <laughs> Probably not. But I think she also still trusts Matic to an extent. Right, because this is before, because Dane isn't dead yet. So, like, this is before Maddox fully kills him. And she's like, oh, I can do this. And it's like, she doesn't even really think about the fact that her father might betray her. Um, But it'd be interesting to kind of see Maddox's brain in that moment. Like, how he would be thinking through what decision to make. Because I'm sure it would be somewhat hard on him. He still loves her in his own way. But none of them doesn't matter because that's not the story. I'm just writing fan fiction in my head, so sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no, no. His, his, he is tested mm. a lot later on. Great. Especially in book three, but we're not going to get there for a long time, so. <laughs> no, definitely not for a long time. Um, okay, this is more just, you know, my Ravenclaw brain. Because it happened, this is where my brain went immediately when Dane was killed. 
does the Gius still work if Dane dies? Ah, we will learn that very soon. Don't worry. I'm not going to give that away, though. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking, because you you were mentioning there was something about a loophole. I think that's the loophole. That he dies, that, his enchantments on her mm. die as well, but she gets to keep the overall Gius because it's like a magic bond broader than... That's my assumption. What was the wording again? Or was oh, it? God. It was at the end of a chapter, right? It, yeah, like chapter 13, maybe? No, 10? <laughs> really? It was that long ago? I don't what? know. What? It was before she started dating Locke. That's crazy. It feels like it wasn't that long ago. How much happens? A lot happens in this book. You're right. You're right. It looks like chapter 12. No, even even further than that. Chapter 11? I'm like telling you, I think it's chapter 10. Because I think that's when Dane comes. Oh my god. She's been a spy this long. She hasn't done anything. Yeah, you're right. Chapter 10. Mm-hmm. Jude Duarte, daughter of Clay, from this day forward, no fairy glamour will addle your mind. No enchantments will move your body against your will, none save for that of the maker of this Gius. Now none now no one will be able to control you except for me. See? I mean Loophole. Yeah. His death is a loophole. I'm just now curious, which if this gets explained, fine, I will wait. I'm just curious if it means that the enchantments he's already placed on her, like the one where he tells her she can't say anything, if that disappears. Or if he just can't because he's dead, he can't enchant her to do new things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my question. But I'm I'm assuming that the Gius is something, like, stronger than his magic alone. So it'll stay in place. Kind of like blood magic or old magic in other magic systems. Would be my guess. And then, of course, you know how my conspiracy theory brain has kicked into overdrive in every aspect of this book. Um, so as soon as I've finished, like, processing the logical conclusion of the Gius being there or not being there, uh, I then was questioning whether Maddox knew this arrangement and killed Dane on purpose to protect Jude from abusing, from being abused by Dane. Which seems unlikely. Shoot that down. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm giving anything away there. No. Oh no, I told that was a full conspiracy theory. <laughs> no, no, he does not know about her affiliation with Dane at all. He has done well in that respect. <laughs> Fair. That's yeah. Uh, I do though. Like, once Jude starts thinking about why Maddox is doing this, she gets there. But I, I feel like I was saying this weeks ago. That Dane was going to uphold the status quo, and so Maddox didn't want that because he was not liking what Eldred was doing, and he does not want a situation where there's less war. Yeah, because he is a warmonger. Like, he has a war addiction. It's a problem. We need to get him some therapy. Yeah, yeah. But he's a red cap. That's his entire life. He doesn't think twice. People can change. I'm just saying. 
he just needs a good therapist and maybe some like mellowing out <laughs> drugs a little bit you know maybe he needs to vacation in the human world for a minute like pull a little mermaid go out there you know see what it's like Although we're not much better out here, so I don't, I don't know if that's really the answer. Yeah, watch. He, like, plants himself in, like, Russia or Iran or Syria and just gets, like, crazy. I could see him in Russia. Oh, God. <laughs> and they'd be like, why are you green? Did you drink too much vodka? <laughs> sorry, that was a horrible impression of a Russian person. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't even know you were trying to do an impression. <laughs> No, not like an impression, but like a like thing that a Russian person would say. Like that was a very stereotypical thing. Yeah, yeah. I I think that even Russians stereotype themselves with vodka. That's so fair. It's okay. That is that is fair. Uh, I do appreciate that Oriana was so on the nose, even though it is kind of horrifying that Eldred will just let all these people die to prove a point. Um. I mean, it's, I get it, because, like, you don't, you don't want to cave to terrorism, and Balakin's a terrorist, (laughs) so, like, on that end, it's good to not cave to terrorists, but it's just, like, really sad that it seemed, it seemed as if letting all of these people die didn't really matter to him, but we don't know, we don't know what's going on in his head. Well, there is another factor going on that we are not going to talk about quite yet. Is it something to do with Cardin? No. Is it Locke? Well, I mean, like... Is it the secret baby? It's it's related to Cardin, but, like, it's not, like, on top of Cardin. Is it the secret... like, directly. Is it the secret baby? The secret baby. (laughs) The secret baby. The way he said that was so funny. Is it the secret baby? The secret baby. (laughs) The baby. The baby. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I mean, uh, this is going to be kind of stream of consciousness, so just stop me. Um, I wrote a lot at the end of the chapter, but basically, so many things happened. Like I don't, I didn't know how to process it all, so I just kind of like type yelled at my computer screen. <laughs> like we lost the entire family. Cardin's missing. We don't know where Jude's family is. We don't know when she's going to see them again. We don't even know if they're safe. Maddox betrayed everything for an unsuccessful coup. Yeah. It was very unsuccessful. Who is Taryn going to marry? Is it Locke? Was he sidling up to Jude just so she would like him enough so he could marry Taryn? Because that's fucked up. That's so messed up. I'm going to talk about this in pop culture because I have something tied to it, but... Okay. Yeah. I just... Anyway. And then, where is Cardin? Where is Cardin? Where did Cardin disappear to? We're going to find out in the next chapter. I think... Not where you would expect him to be. Oh, God. I... Like, I don't think he would want to crown Balakin, is my impression. So, staying missing is probably the smartest thing for him. But it's setting him up for a shot to become king if he can somehow get Balakin to crown him, which seems unlikely. But also, what if Locke's mother didn't die of the poison before the other child was born? Or what if Locke is not actually his father's 
and was from her relationship with the king, but no one knew that because she had a husband <gasps> at the time. He's the missing royal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm just saying. And that's why Cardin keeps him around, because he knows he's his brother, even though he doesn't like him. Ooh, that's a pretty good theory. Because also, he's he has fox hair and, like, fox eyes, and those animalistic features are associated with the Greenbriars, and most gentry don't have animalistic features. So. Just. Mm-hmm. That's. <laughs> Good theory, good theory, good theory. Let's come back to this later on. Okay, I, I literally, <laughs> then I just wrote, I'm going to continue to obsess about this probably. Oh, okay. But that's, yeah, that's keep, all I Keep had. going with it, keep going with it. Mm-hmm, I like it. Okay, it's a good theory? Great. <laughs> I'll run with it. Even if it's wrong, I don't care, I like it. Um, I, like it, it. Just, I like it because it's so interesting. <laughs> well, it just kind of makes sense, right? Because, like... Why else would they give us all of this information about his mother and the secret plot and the acorn and the... He's tied into the royals somehow. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So. There's so much I want to say right now that I really can't say, and I'm writing it down so I can remember to say it later on. <laughs> How many sticky <laughs> notes of random crap that I've said are you right? Do you have, like, saved around your from this book i will tell you that the answer that you are trying to get to is literally written in this chapter you are so close to the correct theory so incredibly close you just said something that actually relates exactly to the correct theory like there was one word in there that if you thought long and hard about that word and what it relates to some other other word that we has appeared in multiple chapters you would be like oh Is the word acorn? (laughs) I'm not telling you what the word is now. How am I supposed to figure it out then? Rude. Come on. (laughs) Royal. I I will spoil it. It's a big big plot twist. Um. (laughs) You're gonna go through the entire book now. You're not gonna get it. I'm gonna tell you this. I didn't get it. (laughs) Yeah. I had no inkling. But Looking you need back on it now. I should have, but like, because it makes sense everything that we, the clues that we're given. But it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> I just sent you off on a like mind. Wait, how old is Vivi compared to everyone else? I think she's just a couple years older, not that much older. Could she be the missing royal? <laughs> no, I'm gonna just tell you that now. No. <laughs> Dang <You're> it! <laughs> well, I don't know. She hangs out with Rhea a lot. That's true. I'm just trying to figure out because there has to be another royal because Balakin's not gonna crown Cardin, and I have an inkling in my brain Cardin's gonna become king. So. Well, the book is called Cruel Prince, not Cruel King. Yeah, but the next book's called The Wicked King, and then it's The Queen of Nothing. So Yeah, I'm just but it could be Balakin is the Wicked King. So he finally gets crowned. He doesn't seem wicked. 
Bailey kid literally whipped Carter. <laughs> no, but that's like wicked is not the word I would use to describe that. Like cruel. Cruel is what I would use to describe <laughs> that. Evil is what I would use. Like horrific, but wicked implies a sense of emotion and a sense of slyness, like cunning into your evilness. Mm-hmm. That I wouldn't say I would associate with Balakin, personally. I don't know. We don't know that much about him, other than he likes to murder his entire family. <laughs> he didn't do all of the murdering, too. One was shot by um, the ghost, and another was sh- was murdered by Manic. There's lots of culprits here. And one killed themselves. One killed themselves. He really only murdered, I think, two people. Maybe three. Yeah, but Maddox killing Dane is on his orders. Or with his permission. Yeah. yeah. And... He would have killed Rhea. Yeah. If she would have fought him. Like, it... I don't know. Um... I don't know. That's I, those are all the comments I had for for chapter twenty. It was a lot of just like big ticket theorizing, and being excited that I was right about at least one theory. I've gotten one right in the book. It's a big one, and so I feel content with that, even if the rest of my predictions are a tinfoil hat wrong. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So okay. pop, pop culture. What do you got? So I, this, I will never forget, uh, I read this and all I could think about was the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones. Yes! Oh my god, I wrote that down too. (laughs) Everyone being murdered. (laughs) Like, it's not quite the same storyline, obviously, but like, oh my god. Actually, you know what? It is the same storyline. It is. There's just no wedding. (laughs) No, it was a coronation. Um, Yeah. I have nothing else to say on that, but yeah. And then um, <laughs> there were so many Pride and Prejudice parallels I was drawing here. The first was with, and this was what I was kind of alluding to before, um, mm-hmm. with Locke. We obviously know that he has something going on with Taryn, and like the question is, why was he co- like basically courting Jude when he clearly has something going on with Taryn already? Because um, given the timeline, we know that Taryn already had a suitor before Locke and Jude became interested. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of Wickham. Obviously, the yeah. timelines don't match. Ooh, the timelines don't match. But um, Wickham, we know, had a genuine interest in Elizabeth. But he was more interested in like status and mm-hmm. money. And so he went for Elizabeth's sister in the same way that Locke is going for Jude's sister. And he even said this in the beginning. It'll come up later. I I don't think this is a big spoiler. But he said, like, I like you because you're a story. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm still trying to figure you out. And it's the same thing, I think, with Wickham and Elizabeth. Like, Wickham was interested in Elizabeth's story. Like, genuinely, like, who she is as a person. But, like, status and money, she could not offer that to him. She was, right. she would not. Like, she's too grounded in who she is. Right. Um, well, and I, I would say, I think the one distinction between the two of them, like, to your point, 
Wickham was interested in her story, but he had fun with her. Like, he did genuinely enjoy spending time with Elizabeth, but recognized that, like, she wasn't gonna put up with his bullshit. And so, like, he got tired of that fairly quickly. Um, while he still could get tired of it. (laughs) Whereas Locke, I don't ever actually really think that he was into Jude, like, romantically. I think he found her interesting as, like, an observer looking at a caged animal, not, like, as equals. And that's why he always just felt a little bit icky to me, because he kind of just, like, wanted to watch her snarl at everyone around her and then he was like that's funny and then he like made out with her as an extra perk because he got to then make out with a girl but not because he was like actually interested in her romantically yeah and not realizing what that would mean or caring and so like that frustrates me but i like the Um, parallel generally yeah, it just reminded me a lot. And then mm-hmm. the other one that I had was um, with Cardin and Jude dancing. It reminded me of, um, I actually don't know if this, it, I think it comes up in the book, but it's not as, like, suggestive as it is in the movie. <laughs> um, the 2005 movie, I should say. <laughs> Um, where Darcy asks Elizabeth to dance. Obviously, like, he's not really saving her. I mean, he's kind of saving her from Collins. Mm. Um, but not as directly as Cardin is clearly saving her from Taryn. Um, and they both have, like, a very, very, like, British conversation (laughs) where nothing is achieved except Elizabeth and Jew just, like, bashing on their dance partner in that situation. True. And their dance partner being like, I'm oddly enticed and I'm very <laughs> I'm, scared. I kind of like this. I dig it, but I'm like kind of confused. <laughs> but I'm gonna. It just reminds keep... me so much of that. No, it's so true. Oh my god, that's a great comparison. Because Darcy was kind of a masochist. Like, he was. And Carden's yeah. starting to ease <laughs> into that. So we'll, uh, yeah. it's, it's interesting to see. I like the comparisons, yeah. A friend prejudice chapter mixed with Game of Thrones. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I had. Okay, fair. I had one other Game of Thrones reference, um, and I don't remember who it was because there were so many deaths. Like... <sighs> In both, you mean? I don't know which one you're talking about, but it's relevant to both. Oh, he he beheaded Tino, right? Tino? 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 He beheaded her, right? Yeah. So and the, so that combined with um, Oriana talking about like how the consorts were pawns and how like they didn't really loop into the bigger game that was being played. It just felt very similar to Ned Stark's beheading in season one or in the first book of Game of Thrones because like mm-hmm. Ned Stark was not a person that really wanted to be at court, but he kind of got sucked in to all of the courtly things. And then couldn't find a way to get out of it, even when he thought he was gaining power. 
Um, yeah. Because it wasn't his place to navigate the entire time he was a pawn of Cersei. And so, yeah, the, the death mm-hmm. of Tynote really, like, resonated with me in, in that way. Not that we know anything about her to even come close to comparing her to Ned Stark, but, like, situationally, it felt similar. Just um, a victim yeah. in the court. Exactly. Uh, so the general tension, even before the coronation, and then obviously, like, all of the chaos during the coronation, reminded me a lot, and I know you haven't read this book, um, so I'm sorry for bringing it up, but The Queen of the Tearling, which I've recommended to you, so you <laughs> you've recommended it. many times. It's good. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the, read it. the first book is the best, so it's kind of one of those things that if you read the first book and you never finish it, never finish this the trilogy you'll probably be fine but the first book is actually really good and and interesting it gets a little sci-fi in the later books less fantasy so a little more like chaotic (laughs) energy but i really like the first book and the idea is that the the queen of this little country called the tearling has been like hidden away in the woods where no one can find her for years and years and years until she came of age and could inherit the throne from her regent uncle, who's like an evil dude. And so she, her name's Kelsey, so she's going to be crowned queen, but her evil uncle doesn't want to happen, so he's constantly sending assassins after her, and like her queen's guard always is like very close, like surrounding her on the way to the coronation during the coronation when someone tries to assassinate her they're like protecting her and trying to get things all organized and stuff so even before we figured out that Maddox was betraying like the idea of him telling the girls to stay by his knights him needing to stay really close to dane and then like subsequently even though it's you know different sides switching and stuff all the chaos that ensues Mm -hmm. um kind of just reminded me of that coronation because like those coronations in times of turmoil always feel a little bit similar uh it's a really good book (laughs) and the i have another witcher reference because you know i always have these when i read (laughs) fantasy yeah but where when jude's like describing all the different famous fairies and like all of these people that are gathering at the court to witness the crowning it just kind of reminded me of the storytelling structure of the witcher not necessarily in the not necessarily Geralt himself because like he doesn't give a rat's ass about any famous or interesting or like high-ranking person at all he just like goes on with his own business but when he's going into like a court sort of scene he spends all this time describing like who everyone is in the room and what their relations are to each other and what he knows of them and um so Jude kind of giving that same background description felt really reminiscent to me of some of the big Witcher scenes, like especially the one in the TV show, the one where um, him and Yaskier. Oh my god, Yaskier. Yaskier, because that's the original Polish name, so in none of the other English translations do they use it. it. They call him Dandelion. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, okay, so... Anyways, he goes to that, to Calanthe's, like, engagement feast for, um, Ciri's mom, whose name is also escaping me right now, and there's, like, all those different guys, and then 
Yaskier's like, and that one's that person, and I slept with that person, and this and this. <laughs> it just reminded me a lot of that. Uh, but I like it because it, it helps sort of give context to the audience of, like, where we're sitting in the story and, like, mm-hmm. who's actually present for all of this stuff. So it's just helpful to understand kind of the overall world, even if we never meet any of those characters again. Um, and then this is a barely a pop culture reference, but I had never heard the name Severin before. I read The Gilded Wolves, which I just finished. Oh. And Severin is the main character in The Gilded Wolves, and then there was a Severin in here. They're nothing alike, but (laughs) it just reminded me. I just think it's Severus. (laughs) Right. No, definitely. It sounds a lot like Severus, too, but, like, that specific name, Severin, I never heard before The Gilded Wolves and then it's like I'm reading that book and this book in similar time frames and they both have a character named Severin which was kind of crazy to me but Gilded Wolves is good people should read it is it the best book I've ever read no is it entertaining (laughs) yes um (laughs) it's like most of the YA books nowadays true um sorry to say it (laughs) not wrong well so i just finished the recently i finished the fourth selection book the air which is like the bachelorette iteration rather than the bachelor so it's like their daughter taking up the mantle Mm -hmm. and there's this creepy boy named jack who gets like turned on when she's mean to him and it's so creepy. And so I got really uncomfortable when Carden's sitting there smiling. He's like, you hate me, don't you? And I was like, no. <laughs> I just read the air and that made me cringe. <laughs> I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, They're completely different characters, but it made me feel icky because I read them too close to one another. So don't do that. I mean, I read that book a long time ago, but as I remember, that guy was also super superficial. Like, there wasn't a lot of backstory to him. There wasn't a lot to make him feel like he was... There was, like, a justification for why he was that way. No, yeah, she just was, like... She knew nothing about him, so she's like, oh, I guess he's yeah. better, as good as anyone to go on a date with, and they go do, like, a movie night. He watches wants to watch a boring action movie. And then he keeps, like, trying to provoke her to make her mad because it turns him on. It was, like, so weird. Yeah. The whole scene bad did not need to be in the book i mean i'm gonna say that we're gonna get a lot of enemies to lovers stuff here but they don't it's not like a an instant thing like he's not like right constantly pushing her because he's like that's all that turns me off like no no and i don't think he is like it's not cardin like i don't know cardin is not making me uncomfortable I got uncomfortable because I read those two things in yeah, too close of proximity to yeah. each other. Yeah, and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> but I don't, I don't really think that about Cardin. Cardin's not fine, but like fine, you know. He's like low level creepy. <laughs> it's not high level creepy like that other guy. Uh, and then my last pop culture reference is another movie reference. Which is different from the book, and I'm still bitter about it, but it's fine. Eldred's death uh, reminds me of the really bad editing choice in Deathly Hallows Part 2 when Voldemort turns into a bunch of moths. Oh my god. (laughs) Little dark butterflies. (laughs) Boo! 
<laughs> yeah. I feel like Holly Black took a lot of inspiration for this chapter. <laughs> From a lot of different places. <laughs> Seems like it. Just a little yeah. bit. I mean, probably a lot I of don't it was mind subconscious, it, but... but... Yeah. It's hard to write I mean, your own violent scenes because there's who, so much out there. Yeah. And who knows where those authors got their inspiration from? Like, it all probably goes back to the Bible, let's be honest. Like, everything else is like the Bible. <laughs> no one's turning to moths in the Bible. That's sacrilegious. I know, but I feel like so many people will talk about, like, like how they were inspired by this person who was inspired by this person who was inspired by this person who was inspired by the Bible. <laughs> It's just like, it's just this long telephone line, you know? <laughs> like, broken telephone. Well, it's true because especially a lot of, like, pagan stuff still has a lot of similarities. Yes! <laughs> See, this is what I'm saying. Like, it goes back to, like, folklore and stuff. And the folklore is, like, inspired by the Bible. And the folklore inspires this. And this inspires that. And this inspires this person. Though it's also interesting, right? Because if we think about... Uh, this is such a tangent, but I don't really care. But if we think, if we think about just like folklore and mythology in general, right? Mm-hmm. There are so many ancient societies that may have had some trade roots, like this predating the Bible, may have had some trade roots, may have had some interaction, but there's so many similar myths in so many mythology like there's so many similar creation myths there's so many flood myths um that also then show up in the bible and i don't Mm -hmm. necessarily think that it's because you know everyone was like inspired by everyone else's stories in in some cases yes but in other cases like the human brain can only do so much. <laughs> so you count, you come up with similar but simple ways to explain the things that are around you, and then those turn into folklore. Mm-hmm. And if you are in similar sort of um, locations with similar wildlife and similar trees and stuff around you, the mythology you're going to develop is probably going to start being somewhat similar. Yeah. So, and that's the yeah. Bible probably takes a lot from pagan storytelling pagans made the bible who made the blah 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 who oh made the blah, blah blah who made the it's all connected yeah. i've never read the bible i don't know anything about the bible i'm just gonna say that now but yeah i mean at least if we get hate from like christian podcast listeners <laughs> we'll get messages <laughs> uh, my bad <laughs> it's fine Everything those are the people I want to piss off, though. I'm going to be honest. Like, if they're going to go off about that, then sure. Right. Like, everyone knows that there is a... Or maybe not everyone. I shouldn't say that. But I feel like a lot of people know that there's, like, a flood myth in so many different mythologies. Mm -hmm. Noah and the Ark is not the only one. And it is from later than many of the other myths. So, (laughs) just saying. Putting that out there. But that's all the that's all the pop culture references I had. It was kind of there's too much going on that like my brain could not focus <laughs> on know. anything other than the red wedding. I that's all like the first time I read it, the second time I read it, I'm like, oh my god, she has read Game of Thrones or watched it, yeah, <laughs> or watched it. I think more read it. I think that's a little bit more parallel. There's certain things in there. I don't know. I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. Um. Okay. So. MVPs. Okay. 
You go first, because I went first last time, and I stole the good one. Uh, oh, right, but yeah. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> do I even know who I want to give an opinion I know! <laughs> Did no anyone good here. do good in this chapter? Um, I'm gonna go with... Hmm... Struggling a little bit here. I think I'm gonna go with Rhea. Okay. Interesting. Um, A, because we've barely talked about her, but like we know that she was Vivi's best friend, and like I'm just really happy that Vivi had a friend in Fairy <laughs> since Jude ignores her all of the time and Taryn's like off sleeping with half of the kingdom. Um, <laughs> probably. Oh my god. I don't know. <laughs> she seems really busy. I don't know. She was, like, kissing goblins to get them gifts. Like, she's just out living her best life, but she may not have as much time for her older sister. And so, I'm just, I'm, like, I'm sad that Vivi lost her friend, but I really like the fact that Rhea was, like, feigning like she was gonna fight and then, you know, stood up for what she thought she was what she thought was right and the only way that she thought she could do in the moment. Um, really sad way to go and really sad ending to her story. I wish we could have learned mm-hmm. a lot more about her, but, you know, I I'm, think it's In a, some ways, glad she took... I mean, this sounds so twisted, but I'm in some ways, ways glad she took her own life because it just, it, like, takes away the satisfaction from somebody else. Exactly. Like, I killed her. Um, no one can have that. Well, so, and yeah. normally, I, like, that's not a good thing to have happen, no. right? Like, that's we do not want people twisted. committing suicide. It's so twisted. But in this particular situation where she's preventing someone from getting on the throne, because she's the last sibling left in the room at this point in time. That's so we know what, of. That we know of. So what she's doing is making sure that what her father wanted is being upheld mm-hmm. in the best way that she knows how. And that's a really brave thing to do. Like, it's a sacrifice. She's sacrificing herself for the kingdom, what she thinks she's doing, whether that's a, the right choice or not. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to pick her because, A, I think it was a really brave thing to do in the moment and also just to – recognize her for the other 19 chapters of just being a good friend to Vivi. Who do you got? Mine, I'm going to give it to Carden for the first time, I think. I don't think I've given it to him yet. Nope, I've given it to him twice. No, you have. I'm like, whoa, you're really good. I just really am going with the villains, man. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm giving it to him because I think I, like, basically explained it already. But, like, because mm-hmm. he did kind of help her out, even though she doesn't realize it. And um, he didn't push her. And I appreciate that. Like, I get yeah. so annoyed with guys who are pushy. It's, like, such a turn off. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I hate most guys, because most guys are really pushy. Sure. Um, they're all self-centered and stuff. And he was very, like, I'm just going to keep my answers short and simple and deflect and be on my way. And that was it. And I think that he has a lot going on that I want to feel sympathetic. I don't think that he is, as we have seen in past chapters, he's not necessarily going about it the right way, like, ex- like expending his frustrations. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. 
I mean, and that's, that's true. Like, we know that he's been cruel to Jude in the past, and, like, he's done things to her, but I'm, I'm really struggling, especially after everything that happened with Valyrian. Like, I'm really struggling to see how much of it, to see the balance of how much of it was actually mm-hmm. Cardin, and how much of it was Cardin keeping Valyrian on a leash so he couldn't do something worse. Yeah. And it's, it's a gray line. And it's hard to tell. But, like, I've gone back through some of the older chapters, and Valerian, nine times out of ten, is instigating something. So I think a lot of it's really him, not Cardin. And as we know, Cardin has no control over any of his friends. So it'll be mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see. How and on top out. of that, he just lost his entire family, except Balakin. Who beats him so great. Who beats him. So he is really in a tough situation right now. And mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to get a whole lot more of him soon. Yeah. No, but um, he's not. He has not he's about necessarily. To play yeah. No, go on. I was going to say, he's not necessarily like a sympathetic character. Like, I don't no. pity him. No. But I also am starting to understand him like slowly like we're not there yet but like I'm slowly thinking like I'm starting to understand him and it just makes me like him more um as a character like he's a very complex character it makes him very interesting and we've talked about this multiple times like we know him and Jude like each other even though they don't know that they like each other or may not Mm -hmm. know that they like each other but it's still not their time yet. Like, we still need a, a lot more slow burn to happen before yeah, they're ready. Yeah, slow burn. But it's going to take a lot of time for them to be ready for one another. But it's starting to get to the point where, like, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to play a very important role, too, now, as we know. Because, mm-hmm. like, he's the only one that we know of that can crown Balakin. Right. So. And also, he is... Still the namesake of the book. <laughs> that is true. Well, actually, it could be Balakin. Balakin's prince. That's what I'm saying. Like, don't rule him out. He isn't dead yet. And then Cardin is the wicked king. And Cardin is, like, as far as we know, is kind of a pushover to Balakin. So if Balakin asks, maybe Cardin would go through with it. Yeah. I think Carnage is gonna hide. <laughs> well, we're gonna get our answer very soon. So I know that's true. That's true. We'll talk about this in like two days. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> for us. Sorry, you guys have to wait yeah, longer. Yeah, not, not everyone else. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. I like our MVP choices. Good. Good job. Um, go team. What about your wine review? This is a straight-up vodka shot. Like, three vodka shots. I didn't even bother thinking of a wine for this one. I just knew we're going to be getting (laughs) drunk for this chapter, and we're going to give it a 10 out of 10 because it is fiery. It is an impeccable chapter. It's so good. That's all I can say. But it's not even just, like, what happens with the murders and, like, the coup and stuff. It's the stuff that she drops in there that, like, I haven't even brought up to you that is going to come into play later on. Like, she gives us so much stuff that you don't even know about yet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's we were talking about this. Is there anything that I missed that, like, you wanted to push me on? there is. But I'm not going to push you on it because I don't, I don't know a good way of doing it without making it very obvious. That's the problem. I brought it up to just like subtly, 
but I didn't explicitly say it. So. We can do it. We can do it after the podcast. Uh, no. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> nice try. I tried real hard. Dang it. Um, I did say it though. I did. I did bring it up when I was just like chatting over what was happening. I think I said it in like a summary of things that was that happened. So if you want to go back and listen to it when you're editing this, well, by then maybe hopefully you'll think about, I'll already it. know. I don't know if it happens in the next couple chapters. Oh, okay, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. There is okay. I'm gonna tell you this. Yeah. <laughs> there is another betrayal that we don't know about. From somebody that Jude knows. Besides, it's not Taryn. We, like, know that she has betrayed her. <laughs> like, that's obvious. It's not Maddox. Like, that's very clearly obvious. Although, Maddox, in his defense, Maddox didn't know that she, he was betraying Jude. Um, okay, so who does Jude know? She knows Vivi. Vivi was in a mood, so it could be Vivi. Uh, Nikasia, very likely suspect. I don't know that Cardin makes sense because I don't. She suspects him of so much treachery, anyways. <laughs> I will give you it's not Cardin. He's it wouldn't an idiot. be a betrayal. He's, he is a coward. Locke, we kind of already know betrayed her, so I don't think it would be Locke. No, no. Yeah, that, he kind of goes hand in hand with with, with Taryn. Taryn. Uh, so yeah, I would say, ooh, it could be one of the spies. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. We haven't talked about them in a while. We haven't. Mm. And she mentioned two of them in this chapter. She did. Ooh. She didn't mention the third. Is it the bomb? Is the bomb the lost princess? <laughs> um, okay, so the bomb is the I secret know. princess. You heard it here first. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> I love it. Anyways. Okay, that's um, all I'm giving you, though. Uh, okay, fine. So, 10 out of 10, three vodka shots. Yes. What's your, what's your wine, <laughs> what's your wine score? I don't even score. think there was, other no, than the weird, murder. other than the weird situation with Locke, and then <laughs> Jude being like, is he actually dating Taryn? I can't even look at her right now. <laughs> and then Vivi's little sassafras attitude in the beginning. Um, so there was a little bit of angst, but, like, the majority of it was very justified concern about everything that was happening. So I'm going to go low. I'm going to give it a, th- a 3 out of 10. Okay, Sweet. that's fair. Yeah. Just one for each of the characters that had a little bit of sass. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yep. And okay. that's it. Oh my god. Well, we finished yeah. book one. 20 book one. Look at us. So exciting. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Uh, if you don't follow us on social media, you <laughs> should. I don't, I don't know how to say this with a serious voice anymore since we never post, but... We will eventually post on social media, so you should follow us uh, on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Unnecessary Angst Pod. On Twitter, you can find us at Unangstpod, and you can also email us 
commentary about the book that we're reading, um, commentary on what books we should read next, asking us for recommendations based on your favorite book, whatever. We're, we're happy to just chat about books all day long. Um, so you can email us at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this absolutely explosive episode, all of the craziness that happened. And we'll dive into book two, chapter 21, next week. But yeah, thanks for listening. Talk to you all soon. Bye. Thank you.